What's up, everybody? This is Steven Jensen. Thanks for listening to the Fight Talk podcast. Before we get into this episode of myself and John Mosley talking UFC 262 as well as the upcoming UFC Fight Night Font vs. Garbrandt card, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our friends over at Music City Toys and Collectibles. Make sure to check them out. Go to their new website, musiccitytoys.biz. Make sure to follow them on all social media at Music City Toys. They're the place to be for action figures, memorabilia, autographs, anything you can think of. If you're a fan of wrestling, MMA, other sports, I mean, you're just a collector in general, check it out. Give them a follow and make sure to check out their new retail location at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee. That's once again, 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Waterton, Watertown, however you say it, W-A-T-E-R-T-O-W-N, Tennessee. Check them out. Make sure to you know jump on their claim sales on Facebook and all that good stuff. They are awesome people. They're nice. They'll give you fair business. And they gave us a free Dan Severn glove. It's signed by Dan the Beast Severn, UFC Hall of Famer and pro wrestling legend, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. We're going to be giving that away on this show at some point in the near future. So to stay tuned, make sure you're subscribed right here to the Fight Talk podcast feed on whatever platform you listen. And make sure you're following on Twitter as well at Fight Talk underscore F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore because when I give the announcement of how to win this signed glove by Dan Severn, I want you in the loop since you listen to this podcast. So that being said, kick back, relax, enjoy this episode of Fight Talk with myself and John Mosley. We are back with a brand new week, a brand new Fight Talk podcast all kinds of uh things to talk about from this past weekend ufc 262 was everything we thought it would be with uh with i mean every every kind of storyline out of this past saturday uh you know we're gonna dive into that we've got a little preview of uh of what feels like a, a card we weren't even really talking about felt like oh a match here a match there and then you look at this saturday's fight night headlined by uh by font garbrandt a lot of names, a lot of talked about, a lot to talk about for this Saturday. But uh, man, before we do all that, we got to introduce, of course, the man over there, Stephen Jensen. I'm John Mosley. It's been a hectic week. If I sound kind of out of it today, I did five. I did five uh, wrestling shows in two days uh, between Friday and Saturday. So man, I am I'm mentally all over the place. But happy to be here, my dude. Now, so what did you do? You had two action shows, what, New South Crux and what, like TWE? What, what, what was it? No, we did two live streams Friday and then, yeah, action class taping for New South. Uh, so very rarely do we just do like two tapings for an action class. It's, it's most of the time three or four. So, yeah, we did three shows back to back tapings for the next couple of weeks. Um Man, it was it was a lot. It was a lot of good stuff. Uh, if you haven't keeping up with those actual clash Tuesdays, uh, don't worry, man. We we've got some big big things coming up, including one that has been announced that I'm not spoiling. Josh Bishop, Brett Eisen was everything we wanted. Oh yeah, I I mean those are obviously two of my favorite guys right there on the on the whole indie scene, especially in the southeast for uh, for Brett. And then I mean Josh Bishop's become the man at AIW for real. Uh, and then you got a so you okay so you had the three the three uh new south shows the two action shows yeah. you were all but I know you were also at uh at Crux weren't you were you there you were there live for that weren't you at Crux yeah but Crux we did that um 
last week. Oh, that's right. Okay. I'm getting everything yeah. all mixed up. And for anyone who's listening to this right now, my voice sounds a little bit off. I was uh like like I don't even know how to describe it. I was very, very sick over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, like just the closest thing I could even compare it to from what I'm hearing is like vertigo. Or or like I I basically have like an extreme motion sickness, but like it's it's been happening lately when I'm not even in motion, and that's like what's getting concerning. But I'm I'm gonna be going to see a doctor soon about it. I feel a lot better today than I did on Friday. But once again, shout out to uh to Action Wrestling. I really wanted to go there live to the show, but I got to at least watch uh, both shows on IWTV. And happy belated birthday to you, Mose, because I know it was your yeah, birthday you on Friday as well. So yeah, it was a good time. Great shows. They were live. I'm hoping they will both be up by the end of this week uh, on, on video on demand because I really want to listen back. I felt really good about them. Um, me and Dylan, man, that's always a good time. But uh, yeah, thanks to, to you, Stephen, and then anyone else that watched. Uh, it, was, it was a great weekend. We had a great, uh, a great pay-per-view Saturday night that I was able to catch. <clears throat> we got those tapings just in time for me to see. I missed uh, the first fight on the main card. I caught the tail in the second fight, but then, of course, the uh, the main, the co-main, and then the uh, the Chanel fight in the middle there, I was able to watch live. So it was, man, it was a great weekend all around. Um, nothing spoiled. Let's get into it. We have uh, so much to dive into, but let's start at the top. UFC 262. We have a brand spanking new lightweight UFC champion, the, the king of the lightweight division of that division of absolute killers. Uh, it, it's finally Charles Oliveira, someone we both agreed the last few months, the last year. This has been the guy that uh, never got crowned, never got that match with the beef, sadly. But finally, Charles Oliveira, the top of the heat with a very impressive finish of Michael Chandler. First round didn't look good at times. Second round is a win for, for Charles Oliveira, bro. Uh, I mean, I know that you said you weren't feeling great this weekend, but uh, this had to be one of those just you kind of jump out of that sickness for a second because you're kind of, I mean, out of nowhere, right? Yeah, I mean, this was awesome. Like, as you were saying, Mose, I I have been on the Charles Oliveira hype train for a while. Yeah. Um, similar to Jan Blahovich. Like, those are, two, those are two guys that I think a lot of people didn't, see like championship like potential out of that i feel like i recognize and i'm glad to see them do that like and, and get to where they're at because um i mean Oliveira, man he really he got his ass kicked in the first round at times i mean chandler almost finished him it was Very really nearly, close yeah. Very i mean close. props to dan Murliata for not stopping the fight because like there's other referees that would have stopped the fight i think and you know, he was, Oliveira was face down, turtled up, and Chandler was just laying in those punches. And I really thought there was a good chance that the fight was going to get stopped. I'm glad that it didn't. Oliveira, I mean, you even saw it, like, when they got to the ground, Oliveira had the clear advantage in the grappling. But Chandler is so explosive and so quick with his strikes that, like, if he can get on the inside and land these, uh, land these hooks and these overhands that he throws and stuff. I mean, he's got a lot of power. So, you know, first round, I definitely would say it was Michael Chandler's round, considering he almost stopped him. Um, although Oliveira did look good on the ground. Um, you know, he got his back and stuff like that. But then round two, man, like, he he gets in his corner, and, you know, you can hear Chandler's corner and, and all that, and they're, like, calm and collected. And, 
and Oliveira's corner is, you know, they're trying to make adjustments, and I'm figuring that the bell's going to ring, and Oliveira's going to run up and try to grapple Chandler as fast as he can. I figure he's going to try to get him to the ground, and within 19 seconds of that second round starting, Oliveira just pieces him up with these combos and knocks him out. I mean, super impressive finish. And Charles Oliveira is the new lightweight champion. And I'm, I'm happy to see it. Yeah, the king of the 155-pound division. Uh, super impressive. Heavy, heavy shots. Took some heavy, heavy shots. Uh, great, great, great main event. Michael Chandler. We're, we'll talk about Charles Oliveira's next, uh, or I guess I'll say his next opponent, but let's, let's say what it is. His first defense next, but where are you at with Chandler here? Uh, second fight in the UFC was the big talk, getting the title shot in that second fight. He, uh, he, he, of course, you know, goes down the way he does. But like we keep going back to, a very solid uh, round one that even with Oliveira having some moments, you, you said it perfectly. Yeah, round one goes to Chandler, and that that has to count for something, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think Chandler proved that he definitely deserves to be in the you know in the top of the division and that was a question kind of coming into it for me still was where exactly does he stack up within the ufc lightweight division because it's such a stacked division it's so many big names i mean you basically have money fights that also include championship fights or you know or, or kind of near that title picture and stuff and that whole if i was to look i'm going to look at the uh like the top 10 real quick this will probably change. Um, yeah, because it doesn't have Oliveira as the champion yet. But, I mean, you got to assume, we'll talk more about Dariush and Ferguson, but you got to assume, mm-hmm. you know, Dariush is probably going to be right number five. And then you're going to have uh, guys like Chandler, Gaethje, Poirier, Connor, and uh, Oliveira are going to kind of round that out. Then you right on the outside, you're going to have guys like RDA, Dan Hooker, um, Ferguson, Felder, uh, Makachev, these kind of guys that are like, I mean, it is a, it is a killer division with a lot of big names. And when Chandler came in, obviously he had his, uh, you know, his resume from Bellator, which was very impressive, but to come into the UFC and you knock out Dan Hooker, which once again, that's very impressive. Dan Hooker is one of the top 10 guys in the division. I, th- I think probably still in the top 10. Uh, yeah, if he was number eight coming coming into this weekend. So impressive, but not, you know, a champion or a former champion. Um, so I still wasn't sure exactly if Chandler deserved the fight against Oliveira over a guy like Justin Gaethje, for instance. And Chandler proved he deserved to be in there. I mean, he came very close to finishing the fight in the first round. So, um, I mean, at the very least for Chandler, this proves... Like his, I'll just go ahead and say it. Like I think Michael Chandler's next fight should be Justin Gaethje. Like that, I think is just such ah. a, yeah, that is a perfect stylistic matchup. Both guys are coming off losses, and the winner of that fight you could still sell as potentially getting a title shot coming off of that because they're both going to be in like the top, you know, three of the division or whatever. So, um, so yeah, that that's where I'm at with Michael Chandler right now. I want to see him and Gaethje and the winner of that's still in a really good position, possibly getting a title shot. Well, that you perfect segue here because I was, uh, I gotta ask, uh, you got me stumbled, man, because I thought I was going to be asking, do you think 
Gagey gets the next title shot. That's been kind of the talk. You see a lot of rumors, a lot of this and that of saying Gagey's going to be the one to get that crack out of out of Oliveira first. But you're saying no, give me Gagey and Chandler. Which I got to be honest, man, I'm I'm here for both those. Yeah, it, it, and it depends on the timing. Um, if they can get Gagey and Oliveira in there together, like fast, like if they can make that fight, and like Oliveira wants to stay active and I don't know what kind of injury he might have. True. You, know, you never know. Sometimes like bruises or just like little nagging things that sometimes um, you kind of realize are hurting you after the fight. But if he can fight soon, I'd be fine with Oliveira and Gaethje. But like at the end of the day, I think it's pretty clear the number one contender for Oliveira is going to be the winner of Connor and Dustin. So mm, great point. So I so it, it depends on that timeline. If Connor and Dustin fight, especially if Connor wins, we know you know a lot of times with Connor, like it'll take a while between fights when they got to renegotiate and all that stuff. And and the same to be said for Dustin lately as well. If I'm being completely fair about it, like Dustin has renegotiated multiple times as well uh, for recent fights, which I think is smart. I think these guys should do that and get the most value they can. But it's a bit more of a process for both guys. And the reason that I even mention that is because if there's going to be time between, you know, the trilogy of Poirier and McGregor, and then they're going to have to wait another like six months or something for the title shot, and Oliver wants to stay active, then I would say do him and Gaethje. You know what I mean? Like do that, and then the winner will fight uh, the winner of Dustin and Connor. But I think at the end of the day, the winner of Dustin Connor, like, is going to be like the true number one contender and, and wait. And we're going to see either Oliveira or Gaethje probably fighting one of those guys. So, of course, Dustin and Connor scheduled to scrap July, July 10th, I believe the exact date. Uh, not too far off by any means. Uh, a lot, uh, we keep talking about it with the lightweight division, a lot to be talked about uh, from, from top to bottom in there. Uh, cannot wait to, uh, to see what comes out of the summer here. Uh, another one more shout out for the the new lightweight king Charles Oliveira, who uh, the lightweight was the talk of the the lightweight division was kind of the talk of the night with the co-main now be belonging to Benil Darius Tony Ferguson. Um, the seventy five thousand dollar bonus change uh, Tony Ferguson lost this by decision, but with his plea, this was a night uh, officially seventy five thousand dollars to the champ to the new champ Charles Oliveira uh, for performance of the night there. So uh, kind of a, uh, you know, again, Ferguson on the loss, we know, but he kind of won for all the fighters. Um, so Elvin Cooley, true legend, though, again, he lost 30-27 across the board in the co-main event to Benil Dariush, who, like you, man, Benil Dariush is one that I've kind of, I, I, for years I watched him fight and he didn't, I just kind of was very mad about him. And then it, it was, it went at 2018-2017 run. Uh, the, the James Vick knockout back in 2016, I was impressed by, but it was when he started putting these wins together, it was, all right, man, there's something to this guy. And, uh, and he goes out there and has a, a damn impressive win over a true, uh, absolute legend and Tony Ferguson. So without a doubt that the night goes to Charles Oliveira, but, uh, but Neil Darius feeling really good right now, bro. Yeah, for sure. He's put himself in a great spot. I mean, I was just talking about how stacked that, lightweight division is and Dariush is going to be right there and right in the heart of the top 10. I mean, he's probably going to be ranked number five. I think that's at least what I would do. 
or you know, or something close to that. He's going to be definitely in the top ten, probably, probably closer to the top five, if not in the top five, coming out off of that win. So this was a huge, huge, huge win for him because now the names that he's going to be talking about and the people that the UFC should be offering him, like you're looking at, I mean, a lot of these guys are going to be tied up, but you have guys like Dan Hooker out there still, guys like Rafael Dos Anjos out there, you know, former champion. Um, if these, if he's going to fight guys that are going to be ranked probably right around him, but then you also have the guys that are going to be a little bit above him. Like it's totally possible that, you know, if Dustin Poirier loses to Conor McGregor, like maybe we get Dustin and Darius or something like that would mm. be, you know, and that would be a huge, uh, bump in pay for Darius as far as like the amount of, t- you know, the amount of tickets and pay-per-view and everything that, especially if he was like the main event or the co-main event, I think that. You know, Darius's value would really skyrocket, especially if he could beat someone like a Dustin Poirier. Um, I don't think he'll ever fight Conor McGregor because I think McGregor's just like way more selective about who he's going to fight from here on out. And it's only going to be like really, really big names or 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 fights that he's trying to, you know, get back. So I, I think that Darius is in an awesome spot, though, because I also think Darius could fight um, Oliveira, like not not necessarily next. You could have Dar if Darius beats like one more of these guys with you know a name value, even if he went in there and like starched RDA, and if it was a situation where like the rest of the top five were already locked up in fights, Darius, I could see him potentially fighting Oliveira, and they're two guys that we've never seen fight each other. We've never seen you know obviously Oliveira just won the title, so there's going to be all these fresh matchups um, for him as the champion. And fresh contenders like Darius, who have never even had a, a shot at the title before, who, have, you know, he's won seven in a row now. Like, he's he's really putting together a solid resume. Um, the flip side of this, though, unfortunately, for Darius, yes. is that I don't know how good Tony Ferguson is anymore. Um, and, that's, and that's where... I think, you know, Darius was very, very dominant and I'm not taking one thing away from his win because like, that's literally, I mean, he, he literally tore Ferguson's leg apart in those, um, in those heel hooks and stuff. Like, and Ferguson is a madman for not tapping out. And the, the, the response that he got from the crowd was incredible. Like hearing that full capacity Houston crowd, that audience just just cheering for Ferguson when he came out and like during his entrance and it was so much fun, but man, Ferguson got, I mean, Justin Gaethje, you know, definitively finished him and really, yeah. really beat him up. Oliveira, a, a lot of damage. Oliveira, a lot of damage, you know, beat him mm-hmm. up bad. Um, Benil Dariush, complete domination. Uh, you know, I don't know if, if Ferguson can hang with like the top 15 guys anymore. I just don't know. Um, and part of it too is like I think he's like 37 now, so it's like his age and his chin's probably going a little bit. And when that kind of stuff happens, you kind of lose a step. And part of what made him so uh, so successful up to this point was his his like kind of awkwardness and unpredictability and stuff. And they actually talked about that on commentary during the fight about how his fundamentals might not really be there right now or the, or he might not have ever even really developed a lot of the fundamentals because he could rely so much on being different in in being um like you know the rubber guard on the ground and 
in his strikes, you know, in his elbows and like, but when that stuff isn't working, like against a guy like Dariush, when it isn't working and you don't have anything to really fall back on outside of that, a guy like Dariush is just going to eat you alive because, you know, he realizes like, oh, your tricks aren't working on me and I can just outclass you at this point. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it sounds like um, it sounds like Ferguson and Dana are going to probably have that talk soon. Figure out what's next. I'd imagine they'll give Ferguson at least one more fight. I don't think they'll. Um, I, I don't think you know. I don't think they're going to like force him into retirement right now. But I mean, that's three in a row. Um, I would give him somebody that they think is very similar to the Cowboy Cerrone situation, or maybe you do the two of them against each other. Maybe that's what you do. Like Ferguson and Cowboy, both guys like walk, you know, ride off into the sunset afterwards, like win or lose kind of yeah. thing. I don't know. Um, and then, like I said, for Dariush, I mean, he's he's in the mix now. He he gets one more big win. He could be he could be getting a title shot. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Win, uh, could not have gone any better for Benil. I mean, a finish would have been incredible uh over over a legend like tony but a win this dominant uh, he said it wasn't for a loss of trotting with the submissions um just tearing away at el Kukui, but does get the decision win going to be in the talk for a title no doubt about it before this year's out for sure uh by by 2021 22 it's going to be a good two-year stretch man and maybe a historic two-year stretch for benil Dariush. uh quickly about tony ferguson i just thought you know the numbers of this, of course, I'm a big numbers guy. His first fight, uh, first professional fight, 2008, his first fight under the UFC banner officially, which would have been the, of course, the tough finale, 2011. His first time he fought for a title was the interim UFC lightweight title, still title. 2017, the first time he ever lost back-to-back fights in his career didn't happen until 2024. So... Uh, the toughness, man. I know we—that's one that none of us get lost in the toughness of El Kukui, But still, these numbers, just man, it's—he's someone that uh, if, you know we, we think we know that that end is 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 closer than we maybe we thought. Um, it's it's a guy that we're definitely gonna gonna miss talking about, miss seeing because that, again, that stretch in what 2015 to 2020, five year stretch where every fight except one was a fight of the night or performance of the night or both like man Tony yeah Ferguson, bro. Tony yeah and, and it's a real fucking shame that he never got a shot at the actual championship i agree yep um you know he was the interim champion at one point and it's just he got squeezed out of that situation and that just that sucked like they literally stripped him of the title even though like he was active and winning and wanted a title shot but I can't remember the whole st- the whole situation there, but I think it had to do with I think that was a time when like Connor was like in and out of of being active, mm-hmm. and it might have been around the time of even maybe the Mayweather fight or something. I can't I really can't remember, but um, but yeah, basically Tony got squeezed out of his own title shot, and like you know he beat Kevin Lee for the interim, but to be honest, like because Kevin Lee came damn damn close to finishing him he in did. that fight, Great and. Fight. And that was a big reason why I figured if if uh, Tony and Habib ever fought, I figured Habib probably wouldn't have much problem with him. I figured it was a big fight that I wanted to see because it got booked, you know, five different times or whatever. But, you know, in hindsight, I, you know, I this sounds like I'm just sitting here like 
shitting on Tony or whatever. And that really isn't the case. I'm a very big fan of his. Um, but I think we're going to, it is almost a good thing to be honest. Like the whole, I think, I think at this point, most people are going to be kind of okay with that fight being a fight that got away. Whereas, you know, I think everyone's always going to be salty to a degree that like we never got GSP and Anderson or like we never got Anderson and John Jones or like Fedor and Brock or whatever, like these fights that were like really close to getting made, but didn't. I think now we can all kind of be like, I think it's pretty clear Habib's like a lot better than Tony. I think, I think it's pretty safe to say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If they meet maybe at that in 2017, when Tony was really at that peak. um, Yeah. I I think that's as close as it gets, but even then uh, to your point, it's, it's hard. It's hard knowing what we know with Habib to pick against him at all. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. That's on a short list of fights that I'm I'm gonna be very bummed we never got because again, if they'd have met on the right night, right, uh, it, it'd have been just absolute banger, banger, banger alert. Tony Ferguson, all he knows how to do um, is, is put out uh, put out heat, throw out, go out on the shield, and uh, he refused to quit. Man, I, I love it. You love his uh, his history here in the UFC, and for sure, one that will always be remembered, definite Hall of Famer. But uh, but again, the win, Benel Darius, shout him out. Uh, main card, of course, uh, lost the, uh, the the Hermanson fight, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. That will be happening this Saturday. We still had uh, things kicked off, though. Let's jump to that one. The fight of the night, and without a doubt, the highlight of the night, minus that main event, Edson Barbosa, third-round knockout, dude. Yeah, it was incredible, too, because I have never seen a delayed knockout like that ever in my life, where Barbosa lands a it was like an overhand right and burgos like he he's like he like shakes it off and he's just standing right in front of him bouncing around and like everything looks normal and then he just starts stumbling backwards falls against the cage face down and then like it could have been stopped right there but the referee didn't get there in time and barbosa punched him in the face a couple times on the ground and that was unreal. Like I love, it was a great knockout. I love seeing Barbosa get that win. I said in the, I think I said it during our um, preview show for this that I would like to see Barbosa make this switch to featherweight years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think he can still be a contender right now at featherweight. Um, which I also sound like a broken record here, but featherweight, the top fifteen of featherweight is my favorite top fifteen in all of the UFC and. And Barbosa being in that mix only makes it more entertaining. And th- yeah, this is a really a really smart fight for Barbosa. Hit him with a lot of leg kicks uh, to the point where Barbosa's own foot was bleeding because of how many kicks he was landing on Burgos. So really great. And Burgos is tough as hell. Like he's gonna bounce back. Like both of these guys. Like Burgos has a bright future. Barbosa, I think, still has a bright future, even though he's like so much of a veteran already. Uh, but yeah, this was really good. I really enjoyed this fight and uh, super, super huge props to, to Edson Barbosa for getting that finish and and that wound up being the fight of the night as well. So really good stuff. Yeah, great stuff all around. Edson Barbosa, you said it two wins in a row. I love the mental toughness, man. Uh, he had that stretch right. He lost what five of six. Um, just that that's a lot to take. Uh, all pretty, re- you know, all all kind of in a row between. You know, December of 2018 and then May of 2020, he's uh, he's going one and one and three uh, and then to bounce back with two wins in a row now. And then, yeah, this just 
highlight that will no doubt be talked about come to December, January, when all the all the best of 2021 and 2020s and everything's going over, man. Um, Barbosa, you love it. You love, like you said, when, when Edson Barbosa is fighting hard and fighting well, there's there's not much more uh, you can just get lost into that's better. Also on the main card, women's flyweight fight, Caitlin Chukagan with a decision win. We had a lot of finishes on the prelims. Decisions uh, kind of almost all around minus our, 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 our beginning and end here, but a unanimous decision win for Caitlin Chukagian, 29-28, 29-28, 30-27. And then the only other main card fight we haven't hit yet was that catchweight fight, 137-pound. Um, it was supposed to be, what, Schnell and – oh, where were you? Uh, Matt Schnell was supposed to fight damn it, Alex Perez. Uh, that did not happen. So now we're going to change the weight class, things that moved around. Uh, Rosario Bontorn came in. He ends up coming in a pound over. So, uh, of course, the, the money's going to cut over to, to Schnell, but Schnell loses the fight 30 27, 30 27, 29 28 in both those, Steven. Yeah, and you know, two good fights where there it wasn't like a total one sided ass kicking in either. Like, Bontorin deserved that W, so did Chukagian. Uh, it was funny though because one of the rounds, like basically the scorecards were identical for uh, two of the two of the judges, and then one of the judges like gave the clear round that um, Aru- I'm so bad with her name, Arujo. Um, like it was clear she had lost, and it, but the judge went the other way, which you just you just see far too often. But it just is what it mm-hmm. is. Um, but yeah, I mean to. Uh, Two solid wins as far as, you know, Chukagin is just in a, in a, you know, kind of a no man's land right now because she's had a title shot, but she's consistently knocking off contenders at this point. And I don't think anybody thinks that Chukagin has a chance against Shevchenko. And that's not even a knock against Chukagin. I, I don't think anybody in the division has a shot against Shevchenko. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Chukagin's definitely one of the best fighters in the division. But um yeah i don't know what what her future looks like i mean i don't i shouldn't i don't not in the sense of like that i think she's like in jeopardy of losing her job i think it's actually the exact opposite you know it's like she she can fight as long as she wants and i think she's going to keep knocking off contenders um but i don't think she's ever going to be the champion unless unless shevchenko leaves the division you know, maybe that you know she's got a real chance then but um, but I mean, she's, she's, you know, a fun fighter to watch. I think she's very talented. So, you know, good stuff. And then we definitely have a few things uh, on the prelims. I definitely want to touch on as well. Yeah, for sure. I knew you would want to hit, uh, the two that we, I guess, talked the most about last week, of course, Lando Venata with the split decision win over Mike Grundy, 29, 28, 27, 30, 30, 27. And then yeah, the, the quote unquote main event of the prelims, uh, Man, Jacare Souza losing in the first round. Andre Muniz, bro, very impressive win there. Yeah, so the the Muniz fight, like that was, I like even the commentators were talking about it because leading into the fight, Muniz was saying all this stuff about like how his jujitsu is actually better than Jacare's, like mm-hmm. like to some degree. And you know, you don't say that about Jacare. Like he's a guy who. I think it was 
was it Hodger Gracie? I can't remember which Gracie it was, but I, I know there was like this legendary story I remember, and they touched they touched on it on commentary during the fight. But Jock Souza, like for people who don't know, because he's been fighting for close to two decades at this point, also probably. He was really well known in the jujitsu world. Like that's really where he came from. He's like one of the best jujitsu practitioners, like the like, competitors, like there's ever been. And there are these stories about like him getting his arm broken mid fight, like in these world tournaments, and then like wrapping his broken arm like into his own belt, like in his gi, and then still winning matches, like with one arm. Like this guy is, I mean, he is an absolute animal, uh, an absolute legend of MMA. Um, and Andre Menuz went in there. And not only tapped him, which I don't know. I don't think he actually tapped. He, he, I no, it was, a, it was a technical submission. Yeah. So, but he snapped his arm so bad. Like you could mm-hmm. hear the pop echo. I mean, so like, I'm glad they ended the fight and, you know, Jacare not tapping. That's, you know, that's just Jacare going out on his shield, but. That's uh, I mean, it was a nasty submission and it was really, really impressive uh, the way that he set it up and, and the way that he held on to it. And it was like a different type of arm bar, too. Like it wasn't like a traditional it was like a short arm bar. And it was just it was brutal and and huge props to Muniz for getting that that W over Jacare, especially tapping him like you don't see people submitting Jacare. Um, that was really, really impressive. And we have a new name at middleweight for sure with Andre Meniz. And then with the uh, Lena Venata fight that you mentioned, you're that we were talking about it in the pre-show. You're guaranteed a good fight with Venata. Like it's always going to be close. It's always going to be, you know, one or one way or the other. It's a lot of, if I was to pull up his record, which I'll do right now, I bet it's covered in split decisions. Um, we got one split decision. Three unanimous decisions in a row, a majority draw, a split draw. You know what I mean? Like you don't see that that often. Where like these multiple draws and a split decision earlier in his career. Um. So so it's one of those things where like that's how close his fights are. Like the guy's fighting to multiple draws and split decisions. But one of my favorite guys to watch. He brings he brings fun every time he fights like he's out there constantly trying to get the win and same for mike grundy yeah. very very impressive like he looked great once again featherweight my favorite division from top to bottom these guys i don't think either of these guys are even ranked um this was grundy's or uh or excuse me this venata's uh, featherweight debut oh that's right because he had done lightweight up to this point mm-hmm. so so yeah, I mean, and that's exciting too. If Venata can uh, can break through into the top fifteen at featherweight, you have just another exciting fighter that just keeps proving my point about how much I love that division. And Mike Grundy's right there. I mean, uh, and these guys could run it back, and I'd enjoy it. I mean, this is all good stuff here for uh, for Atlanta Venata. And then uh, one other thing I want to point out as well from the show is Andrea KGB Lee and yes. Antonina Shevchenko. That was really, really well done by Andrea. Like she had Antonina stuck in a almost in a triangle choke for a while. And then there was like a lot of a lot of space and she had been holding it for a while. So like her legs were probably getting tired. 
and there was 10 seconds left in the round and KGB switched from the triangle to the arm bar and she did and it was like yeah and it was like the like the under the arm arm bar like the face down under the arm type where like she really was able to really extend it and Shevchenko was forced to tap out with eight seconds left in the round and uh, I was really impressed with that I think Andrea Lee looked really really good and looked very smart and and just showed really for a, a vast skill set on the ground, and I I was very impressed by that. So huge shout out to uh, Andrea Lee as well. Great stuff all around. Uh, that was uh, UFC 262 again. New lightweight champion. We got seventy five thousand dollars bonuses. Great night, and uh, expecting another one this Saturday. Um, <clears throat> this will be on ESPN Plus May twenty second from the UFC Apex. Headline, baby. Rob Font, Cody Garbrandt, fireworks, all of them, Roman candles, whatever you like. We're going to get them in that. This We've also got littered names with here. We have Jack Hermanson, Edmund Shabazian fight. Um, we were expecting last week. We're, we're getting it this coming up week. You've got Court McGee on this card. Uh, uh, lots of Ben Rothwell's on here. Man, so much to uh, to really kind of hit here. But what do you, uh, where are you, where are you at with this main event? Man, this is a tough one to call. Because Garbrandt is on a, well, I'll start with Font. Font's on a three-fight win streak over Sergio Pettis, who's currently the Bellator champ. Ricky Simone, who has shown flashes of of being really good. Like, he's been a little hot or cold, but I think I think Ricky Simone is, is here to stay. Like, I, I think he's a good fighter who's only going to keep getting better. And then his most recent win is over Marlon Marias, who, you know, contended for the title not too long ago. And then you got Cody Garbrandt on the other side, who at one point recently had lost three in a row, two to Dillashaw, one to Munoz, but bounced back in a huge way with that knockout win over Rafael Sunsau. Um, but that was already, you know, about a year ago. And a lot has happened with Garbrandt because he was supposed to uh, drop down and compete for the uh, flyweight title. And now, obviously, Figueredo and Marino, they're in the situation where They've got to run that back. That's going to be happening on the next pay-per-view, I believe. Yep. So so Garbrandt has been squeezed out of that situation, but he, he was initially going to fight Figueredo for the title, but he uh, got injured. So he wasn't a- unable to, to go do the fight. He was promised the winner of Marino and Fig, but once again, because they fought to a draw, they've got to run that back. So Garbrandt has taken another fight. I think this is a dangerous fight for him because I think Rob Font's a really good fighter. Uh, but I'm going to say if Cody Garbrandt comes in with a good game plan and, you know, he's always swinging for the fences, I'm going to take Garbrandt for the win in this one. Um, it's not an easy one to make because I, I do think Font is very dangerous and he's on a roll right now. But uh, Font also, you know, He's been inactive since December, which isn't very long. It's about six months compared to Garbrandt's year. So, I you know, I don't think that it's like I don't think there's going to be much ring rust if, there, if that's even a real thing for either guy. Garbrandt, we'll see how he's coming off of this injury and stuff. And, you know, he was trying to cut all that weight because this is going to be happening mm-hmm. at Bantamweight, right? So, um. Yeah, I got to go Cody Garbrandt. It's just a gut feeling. I f- if he can replicate what he did against the Sun Sal, I mean, that'd be huge for him. And 
we also can't forget that that Pedro Munoz fight, like, Munoz won fair and square, 100%. But that was a fight where both guys just bit down on their mouthpieces, stood in the middle of the octagon and said, like, we're just going to throw until one of us falls over. Like, there wasn't any, like, game planning or, you know... We've seen Cody Garbrandt at his best. It's when he's game planning. Like, when we saw him win the title for Dominic Cruz, like, that was a genius performance. You know, if he can pull a little of that back into his game, along with his knockout power, you know, I'm going to go with Garbrandt. What about you, though, man? This is a tough one to call. Yeah, I agree, Mike. Uh, I have a little feeling. A gut is kind of same font, but I just, looking at records, comparing names, I, I, I think Cody Nola could get the finish here. Uh, I, I know, you know, the, the Dillashaw losses um, or whatever, whatever uh, the Munoz loss, like you just said, uh, one of the craziest fights of that year back in 2019. It was a fight of the night that night. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I think I'm with you. I think Cody Nolove gets it done. Garbrandt with the win here. But but you're right that, you know, it feels like the closer we get to it, the more it may feel, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Vegas odds on this got a little bit closer, that kind of thing, because you're right. Font feels like a sneaky pick here in the main event. Um, very excited about this one, man. This one, uh, this one, absolutely. If you don't have the ESPN plus, uh, this one would get me to go out to get it because I feel like it could be kind of a sleeper fight that we're going to be talking about um, after Saturday and, you know, down the line for the rest of the year. Just like this next one, they got moved that me and you were both just so excited for. In the middle of our preview, we found out it got moved to uh, to this Saturday. But it's Jack Romanson, it's Edmund Shabazi, and we finally think we're going to get it, bro. Uh, where are you at with this, this just duel? This is a tough one to call because you got Hermanson coming off that loss to Vittori, but it was it was a good fight, but Vittori clearly won. And, and that was potentially a number one contender fight. I mean, Vittori's getting a title shot and Hermanson was right there. Like he would have had the same case to, to get a title shot or a similar case to get a title shot. Um, Cause did Vittori, did he beat Brunson also? Yeah. No, Holland. No, Holland, it was Holland. Yeah. 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 Um, but regardless, like they were both in that same position, basically when they fought each other, potentially being, you know, contenders and, you know, Hermanson, I think, has a really impressive skill set. I think he's really underrated on the ground, and his striking is is good, but Shabazian has you know, great kickboxing, and he's really well-rounded. Um, but, like, his kickboxing is, like, his real bread and butter, although, obviously, he he's close to Ronda Rousey and, like, you know, does a lot of uh, grappling as well. But it's a tough one. Um, Hermanson, I think, has been in there with – higher level fighters for a longer time. Uh, you know, his win over Jacare at the time I thought was really impressive. His win over Gastelum was super impressive to me with the heel hook. So I think Hermanson has more ways to win. Um, Hermanson is 32. He actually looks a lot older. He's only 32. And Sabazian is 23 um, and has a real bright future ahead of him. But I think it's just, I think Shabazian's biting off a little more than he can chew here. And I'm going to go with Jack Hermanson. Um, don't know how he does it, but I think if this winds up being a submission or a decision, I think it's going to wind up being Hermanson. I, I think Shabazian could get the job done, maybe like TKO him or something. But um, but I'm going to roll with Hermanson in this one for my pick. But it's a real, it's a really really high level matchup. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm, I'm with you. I'm very excited about it. But 
I think uh, I think Jack wins it. I, I I'm I'm I don't feel I guess the the easiest way to say it, I don't think this is as close to a coin flip um, as some say. I think Jack wins it. That said though, uh, Shabazian just he's got to land a little bit, and that could be it. So there's no doubt. I'm not trying to sweep it under the rug. I just think you know we're gonna see probably the best Jack Romanson we've ever seen. You said it. He's a little bit. You know, th- that age difference, he understands that light being a tunnel of a career. By no means am I saying is it close, but it's closer than uh, than where Edmund Shabazian's at now. And uh, I was really impressed that Vittori lost. So all that's got me right with you, our man, with uh, with Jack. Though This is without a doubt one that, um, I, you know, it's, if, if Edmund lands a little bit, I'm going to be jumping around my house and still like, man, I was wrong, but like that was really dope. So uh, those are the fights, man, we wake up for. for um, Another big kind of storyline come into this one is uh, it's listed as the co-main event right now. It may end up being, but uh, Carla Sparza back in action. We've seen her win, what, four in a row? No, I thought it was three. It's actually four uh, as recently as last July with a win over Marina Rodriguez, who we just saw in action, a win over Michelle Watterson, win over Alexa Grasso. Uh, I mean, those are names that we're seeing active. Um in action, man, with that with that win streak on the line this Saturday. Yeah, but but on the other side, you got Jan Zionan, who's won. I mean, all but one of her fights ever. She has a no contest from a couple years back, but like she, th- this is a great fight because in the uh, the women's strawweight division, they're going to be real up there in the rankings. Um, let's see, yeah, Spars is ranked number four, and Zionan is ranked number three. So the winner of this fight is probably going to get the next title shot, especially especially with Zionan and maybe even Esparza, because has Esparza fought uh, Rose before? She's fought... Yeah, she has. Yeah, she has, okay. yep. Um, Esparza fought Rose on the... Uh, to oh, win, the, the to become the first right. champion. That's right. And and then she fought Joanna after and lost the title. That'd be a hell of a story. So, I mean, either way, and that's the same with Zion Ann. Like, she's just been on such a run, and, and her last three wins are Angela Hill, Carolina Kovacavich, and Claudia Gedalia. So, it's like, I, I'm picking Zion Ann to win. Um, I think it's a really, really good fight. And Esparza's gotten, I definitely don't want to say lucky, but her wins over Watterson and Rodriguez were both split decisions, like super close fights, whereas Zion Ann has been dominant all of her wins recently have been decision her last uh her last six wins looks like have been decisions but they've all been unanimous so i'm i'm gonna go with zion Ann here but i mean this is the winner of this fight will probably fight for the title because because you're gonna have you got rose is the champion now we got to figure out what's going to go on what's going to be next for uh wiley zhong you could run back Zhang and Yun Jacek, except you're just you're not going to top their first fight. But you could run that back, um, and if you do that, you could definitely have the winner of Zion Ann and uh, Sparza. And then you also have Mackenzie Dern uh, in that mix as well, probably fighting one of those names that I just mentioned. So this is a great spot to be in for Colorado Sparza and Yun Zion Ann, because like we were saying, Zion Ann, big win streak. A lot of good names, definitely has earned it. And then Esparza would have earned it as well. She'd be on a four or sorry, a five fight winning streak, and she has that built in uh, story with uh, with mm-hmm. defeating Rose before to win the championship. So 
really good stuff there. I like that a lot. But once again, I'm taking Zion in as my prediction. Give me, give me Carla Esparza, close win, uh, very good fight. And yeah, we, we get a rematch that it's literally seven years in the making. Um, that'd be pretty cool, man. I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, Esparza is super close, very good fight. All of these, uh, all of these have, have all kinds of varying stakes and just, man, could be end up be our fight of the night all, all the way around. We've got big heavyweight scrap still. We've got, um, you know, on the prelim card. You got Ben Rothwell. We've got Court McGee. What um, what are some fights that maybe you know? Again, this is an ESPN Plus card that's kind of snuck up on us, but kind of having the the, the whole landscape in front of you there. What kind of Yancey Medeiros? Yeah, just Yancey tried Yancey Medeiros. What are some fights that are kind of jumping out that maybe we're overlooking, bro? Um. Well, as far as like some talent that I definitely would highlight, like you know Felicia Spencer on the main card. I I'm always going to be a big fan of hers. She went out there and, you know, she showed a lot of heart. Her only losses in her career to Chris Cyborg and to Amanda Nunez. Mm-hmm. And and she really stepped up against Cyborg. Because I remember that being like, I don't know if it was like a last minute thing or because it might have been she was a replacement fighter. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I remember she came over from Invicta. Um, she had fought Megan Anderson and when she beat Megan Anderson, it was like a big deal because people thought that Anderson was going to be the next title challenger. And then Felicia Spencer choked her out. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, damn. OK, like Felicia Spencer's for real went in there and she she um went the distance with Cyborg. Like it, she she got her head you know cracked really, really hard and she was bleeding and, you know, all that stuff. But like she lasted all three rounds of Cyborg, which was considered got to be considered a moral victory at least beats those santos when she comes back and then she gets another shot or gets her only shot at the featherweight title um which was uh the loss to amanda nunez but once again she went the distance with nunez i mean she's tough as hell she's on the distance i mean yeah when your only losses in your career are to cyborg and amanda nunez and you go the distance with each like of course she would rather win those fights and be in the position of being the champion but you know, she was the Invicta champion before she came over to the UFC. Like she's, she's super, super talented. And I, I'm very, I'm a very big fan of hers. Um, and she also doesn't look like somebody who like her skill set and stuff. She doesn't look like overly athletic. Um, she just has a lot of heart and she does all the basics like really well, I guess you'd say. Um, but she's just tough as hell. And, and I, and she's really good on the ground. So uh, so yeah, shout out to uh, to Felicia Spencer. So I'm looking forward to seeing her fight. Uh, you know Ben Rothwell yeah, on the on the prelims. Uh, Justin Toff is fighting on this too. He's coming off of a he's coming off a split decision loss to Carlos Felipe. I mean, there's hopefully we get some good fights out of these because there's a, a lot of names here too that like people coming off losses and stuff. Like Court McGee is a good example. He's fighting Claudio Silva. Mm-hmm. I, I have to imagine Quartz lost his last few in a row. Um, yeah, he's lost his last. Not only he's lost his last three in a row, he's lost his last. I mean, geez, one, two, three, four, five out of six. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and his opponent. I know Claudio Silva recently lost, but how was he doing before that? He lost his last one to James Krause. James Krause is a really good fighter, but um, 
I mean, uh, Claudio Silva has only got to beat Leon Edwards in, I think, in the UFC since he's been in the UFC. Leon Edwards. Um, oh yeah, outside of Kamar Usman. Um, so, I mean, Claudio Silva. What this really seems like to me is, like, this is this to me seems like Claudio Silva supposed to win this one. Like, Court McGee is not in a good spot in his career right now. I have a lot of respect for him as a person. You know, with all the um, all the adversity he's overcome to be in the position he's in, and all the people he helps, um, you know, with, uh, overcoming the issues he used to have. Like, I think he's a great a great human being, but he is in a position right now where I think he's being kind of like fed to the slaughter. Like, I, I this is I think this is a position for Claudio, or Claudio Silva to to beat him. So it's like, oh, he beat Court McGee. You know who Court McGee is, so he gets more eyes on Silva. Um, so that's how I feel about that one. Uh, but hopefully it's a good fight. And, uh, and yeah, you say Yancey Medeiros was on this card a second ago? Yeah, I thought he was. Uh, oh, he is. He is. Yeah. Against, uh, I was going to say Yancey's lost three in a row, but you look, they're Cowboy, Gregor Gillespie, and Lando Venata. So first fight since February of 2020 for, for Yancey. Yeah. And his opponents lost his last two. So this is like, Mm-hmm. What I like about these kind of matchups, though, is you get kind of a loser leaves town type vibe when you see those kind of matchups where it's like, all right, you've lost two in a row. You've lost three in a row. We can't keep both of you. So, like, you know, your back's against the wall. You got to perform. And, uh, and yeah, so this fight could be really, really. And both guys have entertaining fighting styles already. But with that added motivation of knowing, like, you know, you could be on the chopping block if you don't get this mm-hmm. win. Mm-hmm. I think that can be a really entertaining fight as well. So, yeah, that's the stuff I'd, uh, I'd highlight for sure. Be sure to head over to the ESPN Plus, the prelim card, and the main card. will both be on there fight night this Saturday, May 22nd. We're going to be back next week. Uh, we're going to talk about, of course, all this. We're going to hit – there's a PFL card this Thursday that we're going to be uh, reviewing and just kind of talking about the PFL a little bit. Um, so we're, we'll be back with all that, man, but we, we did it again. We, we've had a hell of a pay-per-view this past week. Great. Well, great looking fight night that, uh, could have some good fights this, this coming up, man. Uh, happy to be back. Hope, uh, this time next week, you're feeling even better than you did today. Uh, anyone out there listening, want to follow me over on the Twitters, please do at most KOBK. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just, uh, again, happy, happy. We're able to get through it. Will you, uh, feeling better? Appreciate that, man. And uh, yeah, if y'all want to watch the uh, the watch along of this show, I'll be doing, I'm guessing probably the co-main and the main event only, but it'll be over on the Fightful YouTube channel. It'll be oh, yeah. me and Shaq, uh, Shaquille. We'll be doing, uh, it's May 22nd, which is my birthday, so that should be some fun. I'll probably have like, I'll probably have like my brother, my stepbrother over here watching the fight. So um so yeah, it should be a good uh, a good show there. Hopefully, we get a good card with a uh, Garbrand font. And if once again, if you want to watch that like live, as far as like my reactions to it and stuff, that'll be on the Fightful YouTube channel. And me and him also did a preview show. It was actually the day if, if it was the day that I was supposed to go to action on Friday in the afternoon. The only thing I did all day was a preview show for UFC and. Uh, we talk about it throughout the show because I literally have a vomit bag next to my desk. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm sitting there just trying to get through this show without throwing up. 
Um, so if y'all want to watch me in uh, in agony on camera, that's available as well on the Fightful MMA channel, I believe. So, uh, so yeah, check that stuff out. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Fight Talk underscore F I G H T T A L K underscore. Make sure to check out Music City Toys and Collectibles. Um, MusicCityToys.biz is their website. Uh, make sure to follow them on all social media at Music City Toys, and they are uh, the place to be for you know action figures, memorabilia, you know UFC stuff. WWE stuff, all pro wrestling stuff. They even have AEW figures. They got all the, and uh, they got everything. And their retail location, 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee. Go check that out. Shout out to Music City Toys. Uh, they gave us a Dan Severn glove to give away, a signed Dan Severn glove. So we'll have a giveaway coming up soon. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast feed, you're following, or whatever you can do on all the platforms you listen on. Make sure you're giving us good ratings, good reviews, all that stuff. It helps us out a ton. And uh, if you want to check out IWTV.live or independentwrestling.tv, use code FIGHTTALK. It helps me and Moe's and everybody who's involved with the show. Uh, so, yeah, everything that I do, I'll make sure to keep updated on Twitter at FIGHTTALK underscore. Moe's, you got anything else before we get out of here? No, man. Happy to be back. Everybody watch the show. Hopefully we got a banger of a main event to talk about on next week. Yes, looking forward to it. For Jumpin' Johnny Mosley, I've been Steven Jensen. We'll be here next week talking some more mixed martial arts.